0: Today, it's all about capturing better wildlife photos on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel. As always, I got a show lined up for you I'm super excited about, a return guest. First of all, A reminder for you that for this episode, for every episode that I do, you can find the show notes up at the website. It's at behindtheshot.tv. I write a little blog post about my guest. I've got a sample gallery of their work and a bunch of others. All the links that we talk about are there. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you won't get all the show notes. You can still go to behindtheshot.tv, read those if you want to and see the gallery of of my guest work. But if you're on YouTube, because of limitation on character count, you'll at least still there get all of the links that I'm talking about while you're there, head down, hit subscribe, hit the bell, do all of that type stuff. It would be very, very much appreciated. And what we're going to do today is finish out 2022 really, really strong. Ladies and gentlemen, returning for a seventh time. See, I'm trying to make this because he's been here more than anybody else. Canon Explorer of Light, Rick Salmon. Rick, how are you?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's always so much fun to uh, to see you, to speak with you. And all I have to tell your viewers is, is this, that the sign of a true professional is making a hard job look easy. And Steve makes it look really easy. Like we've been on 50 minutes setting up the dials, this and that, the windows. He wants it perfect. He's a perfectionist. So yep. I'm very honored to be uh, working and playing today with my friend, uh, Steve.
0: What, what's the old saying? Get it right in camera. That's the whole goal is to get it right, you know, in in recording. Uh, you are a friend of mine. I consider you a dear friend. I am so glad that you're here because we've got a lot to talk about today. And by now, you've been on this show more than anybody. Right? You've, just like you've written more books than anybody. Uh, well, you've been on behind.
1: Say again? That's because I'm older than anyone.
0: <laughs> well. I don't know about that. (laughs) Look at this right here. But anyway, everybody pretty much knows you. But for those that don't, let's say that a year from now, somebody logs in. They're a new photographer. They don't know Canon Explorer of Light Rick Salmon. How do you describe you as a photographer, as an artist?
1: Well, I, I say, you know, people say, what's your specialty, Steve? And I say, my specialty is not specializing, because I really do love to do it all. Today, we're going to talk about wildlife photography. But, you know, I love studio photography, you know, right behind me in this studio. I took that picture, I think you've seen it, the uh, the girl with the pearl earring, which is a takeoff on Vermeer's painting, the girl with the pearl earring. You know, I like aerial photography, I did. I've done underwater photography. So I think today, you know, if we want to survive as photographers, you know, my philosophy is that you have to diversify. So that's why me personally, my specialty is not specializing. And that also applies to my music. You see the guitars in the back. I like jazz. You know, I like rock. I like classical. Uh, I like it all.
0: And you are, by the way, like Jefferson Graham, who was on right before you uh, the previous show, you're an accomplished musician, by the way. Uh, But I, I mentioned your books a second ago, and I've got to touch on this because You've written more books than any single person that I have ever known. <laughs> is it 100 now or are you still at around 40?
1: It's, it's uh, 43. It's 43. Okay. What's and the most the recent one? The, the most recent one is uh, here. And I actually wrote this in my sleep. It's called uh, How to Make Money While You're Sleeping. And uh, it's actually my best selling book and it has no photographs in it. But I got the idea, Steve, I was on Twitter. And I see a quote by Warren Buffett. And the quote is, if you don't learn how to make money while you're sleeping, you're going to work until you're dead. And that really struck a point to me. And, you know, what he's talking about is passive income. So what I talk about in that book is how photographers can generate passive income, basically making money while they're sleeping, which is actually kind of cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to make some money while I'm sleeping. And by the way, a uh, number of Rick's books, I should say, full disclaimer, I have small bits in a couple of Rick's books uh just saying something here or saying something about Rick part of an introduction something like that. Yeah, there you wrote we go. In Fo- this one. Phototherapy.
1: You're you're in phototherapy and you wrote some very beautiful words of wisdom uh, a preface I think to one of my books and uh I, you're a very good writer. And Thank in addition you. to being a good photographer, good radio host, a good dad, an expert on whiskey, I could go on and on, Steve.
0: If only I could spell <laughs> that would be
1: you're talking to, you're talking to the, 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 the worst proofreader on the planet.
0: I have my wife check everything that I do, absolutely everything that I do. There's times I do workshops or something and I'll be doing a keynote presentation and I'll say, you know, hey, honey, how do you think about this? And she'll like, did you mean to spell that that way? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, good thing you caught that. Speaking of which. You are, in my opinion, at least, one of the top educators in the photography world. and i and I and I don't say that lightly because there are some amazing people in the photography space that not only are working photographers, which by the way, I think is also part of the key here is people who are actually out shooting, you're right. actually constantly shooting and doing workshops, et cetera. But you're also, I think, born to teach. You've got over 20 classes on Kelby One, which, again, is definitive, you know, probably the gold standard for online education for photography. You do workshops. You do seminars. You just got back at the time we're recording this from Bosque uh, de la Pache. Yep. Here's here's my question for you if you put your educator hat on. Mm Mm-hmm. As somebody who photographs as much as you do and, and has been around long enough to know more about photography than I'll ever forget, <laughs> what is it that drives you to teach?
1: Uh, I think it's it's fun. You know, it's fun. There, there's an expression. You know, I'm big on expressions. You know, uh, we're a part of everyone we meet is one of my favorite ones. And I think by being a teacher, by sharing something, you know, if I give someone a tech, if I share a technique with someone, you know, 20 years from now, someone might say, I can't believe Rick Simon showed me that technique 20 years ago. So I think that's kind of cool. And we really are a part of everyone we meet. And just a little bit of psychology, as I'm sure you know, we develop our personalities by the time we're seven. And we develop our personalities by you know, incorporating the things we like from other people you know, into our lives. And the things we don't like, we don't incorporate. So we really are a part of everyone we meet. So you know, I'm a big part of my parents. I'm a part of my son. I'm part of my wife. And you know, I like, in a small way, to be a part of, uh, part of other people
0: and and the saying i always do which came to me through martial arts but it it kind of holds in in all aspects of life is we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us so yes. if if you know ansel adams figured out a, a zone system we build on that if somebody else developed a particular martial arts technique we take that and we build on that and everything is is in some way or another interconnected there before we bring up today's shot I just mm-hmm. want to remind everybody that, again, as you can with every episode, head over to BehindTheShot.tv, and you can find all of the show notes and information in a little blog post I wrote about Rick. But while you're there, you can also find out all the different ways that you can subscribe to this show. So this show is a podcast, first and foremost. If you're watching on YouTube, that may not become immediately obvious to you, and you may be thinking, oh, it's just another YouTube video. But I do approach this show as a podcast. And so on the website, BehindTheShot.tv, You'll find ways that you can subscribe to the video feed or the audio only feed, depending on how you want to consume the show. Some people do prefer the audio only, but they go to the website to see the picture we're talking about either before or interestingly enough, some people after they listen to the show. Wherever you end up subscribing to get the podcast, video or audio only, if you drop us a star rating, a written review, it would be very, very, very much appreciated. And one last thing I want to do, and I want to stress, this is not a sponsored thing, but something happened recently, and I want to mention these guys once again. Uh, This show is not sponsored. I don't have any sponsors. I have no tie-in to this company. There's nothing they're providing me for this show whatsoever that would require me to say that there's sponsored content in this show. But my friends over at DVE Store, they, uh, specifically Guy and and all the people who work, they're they're fantastic. It's at dvestore.com, digital video equipment. If you've got any needs in the area of digital video equipment, go check them out. And the reason I'm mentioning them is they have helped a number of up and coming creators with high def zoom accounts and what they're, and for that matter, some established creators as well. And what they're doing to me is just better for the entire creative community that we have people doing shows like this that end up with HD video and everybody looks better and Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So go check them out again. It's DVEstore.com. Again, not a sponsor before YouTube ends up flagging this for some reason. <laughs> uh, just want to be really clear on that. With that said, Rick, I want to get into day, today's shot. And before I show it, mm-hmm. I need to know something because I've never yep. asked you this.
1: Do you name your photos? Uh except for the girl with the pearl earring, no.
0: Okay. I I, don't. I came uh, up with I came up with a name for this one. Okay. And I call this You Missed Me which could have a couple of different meanings. This is insane.
1: It, uh, it, it's, it's gonna be the cover of my next book and it's gonna be called Rick Salmon's Dumb Luck Shots. I mean, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, and I was really lucky cause actually we were in Tanzania uh, in, uh, in October and our trip was delayed six weeks because Susan broke her arm. We were supposed to be there at the height of the migration of the zebra and the wildebeest where this picture was taken. And that's when thousands and thousands and thousands of animals cross the Mara River because uh, they follow the rain around. The, the zebra and the wildebeest follow the rain around. Uh, so they have something to eat. And the predators follow them around, so they have something to eat. And in the Mara River, there's lots of big crocodiles. This crocodile here is probably, you know, 8 to 10 feet long. It's a, it's a monster croc. So anyway, she broke her arm and the person setting up the trip said, you know, it's kind of sad you're going then because you're gonna miss the migration. Well, we didn't miss the migration because of climate change. Because of climate change, the animals didn't have to leave to follow the rain. So we see the thousands and thousands of animals going across the Mara River uh, one morning. I think you might have like a wider shot there. But uh, so I've, I, I always shoot with two lenses. I have the 100 to 500 millimeter lens and the 24 to 105. But I think the key to getting this shot was shoot, shooting, photographing with both eyes open. You know, if I could grab my camera for a second. Photographing with both eyes open, you know, a lot of people take a picture and they squint, you know, like this. They close their eyes. Well, if you shoot with both eyes open, you can see what's going on in the scene when you're looking around. As you know, as a as a concert photographer, and, you know, you've had sport, photo- sport photographers on the program, they do the same thing because they want to see what's going on around. So that was one of the keys. The other key was uh, Susan Salmon. <laughs> she was with me. And there's so much happening. And she you know she's there shooting with her rifle and she says look over there these wildebeests are like jumping all, right through this crocodile's mouth so susan salmon gets half the credit uh, actually uh susan salmon gets a third of the credit and our guide gets a third of the credit i'll only take a third because he put us in in the right in the right position i think in one of the other shots you'll see some bushes and trees right uh, in in the in this scene, but this is only a part of the frame, as as uh, as you know.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up that wider shot here in a minute, but I want to get into something first, and and I gotta touch on something you said about the the photographing with two eyes open, because yeah. I do think that's critical. In fact, yeah. on Aunt Pruitt's show once, I made that like a, a a tip type thing because I've had shots where I've got a 70 to 200, I'm zoomed in on a drummer, and. Right. You know, I'm holding it up to my right eye and right. I don't realize if my left eye had been closed that the lead singer has climbed up on a 10 foot tall speaker <laughs> stack and is about to jump off. Right. And I got the jump. I got a sequence of shots of the jump because I had two eyes open. I can't stress that enough. It's it's critical. For yeah. this shot though, Yeah. there's a couple of things I want to really, before I, I get into wide, I want to talk about specifically the end result for a minute because- yep. Here's the settings that you used. And oh, yeah, this I, is
1: th- <laughs> yeah.
0: I find this fascinating. This is photo summary you're using, I'm assuming.
1: It's a great app. You just, uh, you, uh, you send your photo to your iPhone your, or your phone. I don't know if it works on Android, but you send it to your phone and you open it in photo summary and it shows all the settings like this. So this is a great, you know, you mentioned being an educator before people, they ask me all the time, what are your settings? Well, photo summary, the photo summary app is an easy way to do it. Well, with this particular
0: shot, you did 1,250th of a second at yep. f11, ISO yep. 800. You're at 500 right. millimeters on a, on a 100 to 500 millimeter lens. Yep. Your, that still wasn't enough exposure. Your exposure bias is plus a third. You're in aperture priority mode. Yep. I th- think it showed when I looked at the EXIF data in the image, I think it even showed that your white balance was custom set to cloudy.
1: Uh, Uh, probably.
0: And center weighted average. So a couple of questions on the settings. Yeah. When you're in aperture priority. So obviously for you, you're focusing on your aperture most and, and you choose F11 and you end up at 1250th, uh, you know, ISO 800, 500 millimeters. Mm -hmm. What made you, what made you aim at this?
1: Well, I wanted, I... Actually, I shoot every, I, I photograph bald eagles flying at 90 miles an hour in the aperture priority mode, because I keep an eye on the shutter speed. You know, when you think about it, there's only one right exposure for you. So your one right exposure may be different than the one right exposure for me. Right. So actually, we, you mentioned that we came back from Bosque de la Apache. We're photographing birds flying really fast. And Actually, one of the people on the trip said, you can't get a good picture on aperture priority mode. Well. I got pretty darn sharp pictures on the aperture priority mode. But to answer your question, so I'm I'm th- my my goal here was to freeze freeze the action really and you know I have a sequence of pictures here I sent you the one that's the peak of action and that's you know like you mentioned you're you're the 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 drummer and then the rock so you you're not picturing you know maybe them going up you're photographing at the peak of action so I I I'm setting the goal to photograph at the peak of action I'm shooting at the highest possible frame rate and uh, because they weren't on the same plane I didn't want to shoot wide open. So I'm boost I'm actually adjusting my aperture and the shutter speed by adjusting my ISO. If that makes any sense. I to shoot on auto ISO. So if I want a faster shutter speed, if I want a smaller aperture, I'm going to boost up the ISO.
0: Okay. Now, and I should have <laughs> mentioned to everybody, this is a Canon EOS R5, one of my favorite cameras. It's sitting in the bag next to me. It's yeah. my It's my primary camera. And that's actually, to me, going to come in, uh, you know, somewhat critical in this shot. Before before yeah. we dive oh. in really deep, I want to I want to describe this shot for those of you that are on an audio feed, because mm-hmm. if you're just listening and you haven't seen the shot yet, understanding the action here, when when Rick says peak action is going to be critical, this this is wildebeests, uh, they're crossing a river. There's two of the wildebeests which is another critical thing. When we get into composition, I got a lot on this shot, actually. So there's two wildebeests. One of them is frame left, right at the edge of the frame. Half the body, the bottom half of the body is not in the frame. It's like from mid body all the way to the head is in the frame and it's coming into the frame from the left. So in other words, it's facing to the frame right. The second wildebeest is on the other side of the frame, frame right. Its head lines up about with the lower right rule of third. It's facing to the right out of the frame. And here's the key. Uh, Again, shoulders really kind of are on the rule of third. Front legs are in the water. I want you to picture like a horse kicking with its (laughs) back legs. That's what this wildebeest is doing. Its front legs are in the water, but its back legs are kicking up at 45 degrees. Again, when we get to composition, this is all critical. I can picture a sequence of shots and this one being the right frame. Its legs are up, the body's at 45 degrees. The tail is perfectly lined up with the body. The tail is shooting straight out from from the back end of this wildebeest and uh, water is flying as it's kicking out of the water and its eyes are so wide open (laughs) that you cannot miss the eyes on this thing. Like that actually is a key part of this shot is the, the, the eye reaction. And the question is, why is it kicking, Steve? Well, to not get caught by the giant alligator that's in the center of the frame under them. So picture a giant, and I mean big alligator, head up, mouth open, and these legs are kicking out of the way so I can't bite them, and the other one is coming towards it. The color in this shot, is not overpushed. And I think for me, that's one of the areas a lot of people mess up is they overcook. They get this great Mm -hmm. frame and they overcook it, but the colors here are real. It's pure action. It's pure Mm. feel. It's pure fear. It's everything. And tons of compositional wonderfulness here. So did I miss anything?
1: Uh, no, no, not at all. I think that's an excellent description. And I think, you know, you have a good eye and you pointed out that the fear that the wildebeest on the right has, uh, you know, in his eyes like that, you know, this is an uh, everyday occurrence for these guys, like during the crossing. And again, this is a lucky shot. I have shots where, um, where, and I didn't send them to you where the crocodile got like a baby zebra. And it's a sad you know, Susan didn't really (laughs) like seeing that happen. And, but it is a circle of life. It, you know, no one comes back from Africa seeing that, but uh, talk about the lighting. How lucky was I, if this had been a sunny day, I I forget exactly what time this picture was taken, but this had been a sunny day, the harsh shadows, you know, it would have ruined it. So the, the, uh, you know, as you know, with your, with your music photography, uh, uh mood matters most. So I think the overcast day created this like nice soft somber mood to this uh very, very intense uh scene. That's actually an interesting catch that I that I didn't get.
0: And that is the lighting here actually if the lighting had been I don't want to use the word wrong, but if the lighting had been a certain way. Yeah the eyes would be in shadow. You wouldn't see the eyes. Right. You may not see, you know, the, the water over the tail of this, this croc. Mm-hmm. You may not have seen the tail as much. It, you know, clipping would have occurred or yeah. something like that. What's fascinating to me though is you're at 500 millimeters. And even mm-hmm. then, you weren't close enough to get this at 500 millimeters. This no. is the wide shot that Rick was talking about. And yeah. this is the end result crop out of that shot. Right. That's amazing to me. And this is why I said that Canon R5 matters so much because you've got 45 megapixels to work with. You're taking, I mean, what? 10, 15% of the image here.
1: Right, right. I I don't think I caught, and I just made a seven, I just put it away. Just made a 17 by 22 inch print of that I would not have been able to do that with the R6. I would not have been able to do that. You printed this at 17 by 22? Yeah, but I use gigapixel too,
0: so you enlarge it a little bit. Yeah, see, that's yeah. key though. Technology lets you take that little crop and still use this.
1: Actually, use it. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's amazing, but it, it's the ca- the camera that that, and that's why I took this camera. I you know have the R three and I had the R six for my wide angle shots, but I knew. And I actually had a two. I had a one point four x teleconverter with me, but I didn't want to miss the moment. You know, I could have put it on, but I think you know one of the ideas here is, and this is you know I'm I'm photographing, and this is when Susan said, you know, hey, you know the the uh, the wildebeest are jumping through the crocodile's mouth, and the croc, and the, basically the crocodile was in one one position, and the wildebeest were in a line. So this this is you know a lot of, a lot of. Uh, Wildebeest were you know, jumping over the crocodile, oh, jumping over the crocodiles, but um, yeah, the camera had a lot. All those megapixels had a lot to do with it, and you know, rather than miss the moment, I didn't even use. I didn't even use a one point four x converter. I'm going back to Tanzania next year, and I don't even think I'm going to bring the one point four x converter.
0: You mentioned a couple of things I got to dig deeper on. First of all, a shot like this. It, it, again, if Susan hadn't called out, "Hey, look over there." you may have missed it. If your eye was closed, you may have missed right, it. Right, right. Time of day, right. you may have gotten it, but it wouldn't have been as, as strong. You have to, but even then, you you have to capture a shot like this when it happens, regardless of everything else, right? Yeah. If this happens and it's harsh sun, well, then so be it. It's the only way you're going to get right. the shot. I mean, as an example, if these guys only did this and crossed that river at two o'clock in the afternoon in harsh sun, well, somebody's going to be there photographing it at two o'clock in the afternoon in harsh sun. But <laughs> as you're as you're looking through five hundred millimeters from again a position that you're not near them and you're behind a bush, yeah. and they're <laughs> near the bush, are you as you're looking through the lens? Are you? Are you thinking, oh, this light is great? Are you thinking, you know what I mean? What are you thinking about compositionally and and lighting wise as you're taking a shot from so far away where it's just I got to grab it now because this is when it's happening?
1: I was just thinking, actually, to be honest, how lucky, how lucky uh, I am in life to be able to do what what I can do, and how lucky I was to uh, to be there when we left. We were there the day before, and there was a smaller crossing, and it was harsh light. But worse than that, the animals were going away from us. We were on the wrong side of the river. Okay, and you could be on either side. So I was just thinking how how lucky I am, and I I would say maybe wouldn't have uh, you know. Taken the this shot or zoomed in on the shot. If I didn't know, I couldn't enlarge it because you know, you know, with slide film this might have been an been an outtake, right? With Kodachrome sixty four, it might have been an outtake. But you know, today there's just so much we could do. If you look closely, you see the wildebeest on the on the on the left. Right. If you look, go back to the wide shot. You see, I cloned out. I think did a little bit of cloning because I just, you know.
0: Oh yeah. He's, There's another one. Yeah.
1: So there, 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 were a couple of guys behind that, you know, so the rule of odds, you know, I try to like, you know, I know all rules, <laughs> you know, are meant to be broken, but I thought the rule of odds having these, the three subjects was more important. Because uh, I, that, I wanted that to be guy would
0: have been right in this area here.
1: That guy would have been right in this, in that area there. And I would, might've, you know, detracted it. And what I like to do is I like to make a, an image with impact. And so I, I, I often, you know, clone out distracting elements. You know, as a as saying goes, if it doesn't add, take it out.
0: Well, okay. I want to dive into the composition thing here because again, sure. looking at this, and I want to just be clear for those of you watching on video and if if you're not watching on video, you know, go, what what are we? About half an hour into the show at this point or just under that, you know, go go find this particular, particular scene. But that's the end result cr- crop right there. Mm-hmm. So... You've got all of this going on. Yeah. And you chose that. Now some people might have decided to keep that one on the on the far left yeah. and maybe even include this. So my question to you because I know you, I mean, my god, you have a book on on composition, right? You've got this R5. Mm-hmm. Your end result is this shot right here, which again I think is wonderful, but the composition stuff going on, you mentioned the rule of odds. You've got three items here. That's one of my favorite rules. And I'll be honest, I learned that rule from you. You've got triangles here, right? So you've got a triangle going like this. Yeah. That's just fantastic. You've got a number of things. You've got movement, you've got gesture, which is another one that we talk about on this show a lot. Lots of photographers bring up gesture. I think again, the first person I ever heard it from was you. I know you said this is a lucky shot, but at a certain point when you get this on the computer, you're picking the crop, right? You're deciding right. out of that big wide shot to grab this. So what yeah. was your goal? Rick, Salmon's, Rick Salmon pulls this up, yeah. sees this big wide thing. There's 15 different crops in here that
1: might work. Oh yeah, what the wildebeest you... on the on the yeah, my, my, the wildebeest on the right might have worked nice.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the There's course.
1: a lot of ways you could go. Yeah. So for Rick, what made you pick this? I think it it was really the, uh, it, you know, you gave it a title. I, I think it, this is a lucky shot. It's it's uh it's not lucky for the for the crocodile because they got away, but it's really lucky for the wildebeest because they they got away. And I think this tells a story. You know the the wider shot tells us you know tells a story, but this really tells tells the story of exactly what happens. You're you're like there looking at this giant crocodile. Look at those teeth, <laughs> you know, looking for like a meal, and it was ju- it was just an amazing experience. But I have to be honest, I don't have to be, but I will. So when I'm on safari, when I'm anywhere, when I was in Bosca del Apache. I never go to sleep, never go to sleep without pick, picking my favorite pictures. I never go to sleep without picking my favorite pictures and putting them in a folder. Because if you're like on Safari and you're taking, you know, thousands of pictures a day when you get home, right? Who wants to go through like 10,000 pictures? So I never know, you know, uh, you and I like to have happy hour, right? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> which could be a whole the show. I said but that any- too excitingly, didn't I? <laughs> you did. You did. Um, and Susan and I are about to have happy hour soon. But anyway, you know, before I have happy hour, I maybe sometimes during happy hour. I'm picking my best shots. So uh, we're in, uh, this is in, we were in, when we were in Tanzania, we went to Taringiri in the south, then we went up to Nagorogoro Crater, then we went up to the central Serengeti, and then we went to the northern Serengeti to see the crossing where this is. So we were in four different locations. So you could imagine all the pictures and trying to keep track of all the stuff. So I never go to sleep without picking my best shots and usually uh i never look i never look at the other pictures because i say these are my best shots and i'm not going to go through the and i usually never go through the other ones for some reason after this trip we came back i went through and this was not one of my best shots of the day and if i didn't go through if i didn't go through the pictures when i came back all my out all my so-called outtakes i wouldn't have found this shot cuz i i know i remember so much was happening that day so much happened on the trip um and it's a long trip you have jet lag and things like that it's like it's like 32 hours door to door or whatever. But anyway, uh, so the lesson is don't take my advice to <laughs> take, you know, down, pick your best pictures during the day. But then when you go back, go through, because I, I thought it was just like a, a, like a mess, a messy shot when I, when I saw it, you know, the, you could go back to the other one, the branches in the foreground, you know, I, I didn't see it cause I'm going so fast trying to pick my best shot. So it, uh, I think it pays to uh, slow down a little and review your pictures when you get back. And, and by the way, this is also
0: piggybacking on that is why you don't delete shots in camera. Never. I've, I have watched people go through their card at a concert, which is fine. Star them if you want to, but they delete shots unless you know for a fact it's completely blurry and useless. Right. But a lot of times they're deleting them based on composition. They yep. look at something and go, yeah, you know, I'm too far away. It's too wide, whatever. But you can pull a shot. Like I had a shot I deleted of, what band was it? Papa Roach, I think. And mm-hmm. i pulled the shot up and I just didn't like the composition. And I, I deleted this, this uh, shot of the guitarist. And then somebody at the radio station said, hey, I'm doing a, an interview with the guitarist. I need some shots of the guitarist. Luckily, I hadn't emptied my trash. And I went back and I'm like, I don't really have enough of this guy. Let me go see what else. got. I know I've got more than that. I went and looked in the trash and I found what is now one of my favorite shots of the band. Yeah. Because I know. once I was in a different mindset, I cropped it, I processed it in a certain way, and it became a, a shot that I absolutely love in, I don't want to say I changed a lot, but just with a little bit of mind frame change my point of view change and a little bit of editing on a shot like this when you do end up cropping it to this Mm -hmm. you bring it up on your computer you find it you go oh man good thing I didn't Mm -hmm. delete that color correction or is this for all I know this is almost straight out of camera What, what would you have done to this
1: uh well other than, other than cropping I don't, I might have uh, worked with the shadows and the highlights uh, a little like I usually do but I don't think I did too much of this cuz again I was lucky that that flat overcast lighting just was just so perfect for this Steve it was just uh, it was just lucky now I do process you know sometimes I spend a lot of time processing an image but this this didn't really uh this didn't really need it
0: so uh, I got to ask a question that just entered my mind having never done anything like this myself, mm-hmm. is it from where you are,
1: which is pretty far away, mm-hmm. is it loud? Oh, I. you know what? Susan has videos of this and I meant to send it to you. It's really loud. We, we were there and the guide said, we were there for like over an hour, or maybe two hours. He said, we saw 5,000 animals. So the the animals are five thousand animals, so they're splashing through the water, and the zebras are calling their little babies, and the wildebeest are making their sound kind of like a cow. So it's it's a it's a sound and light show <laughs> that uh, that just can't can't be beat. And again, the circle of
0: life. Here's the question: overall overriding question I have from this conversation, and I'm t- I titled this show "Better Wildlife Images." Mm-hmm. I usually title the shows before I record. Mm-hmm. I've debated whether that's right or not. But you take such good wildlife images and And I look at this, I look at somebody on a on a workshop, uh, you know on on an expedition type thing with a with a tour, a photography expedition mm-hmm. standing on the side that isn't a trained pro wildlife photographer mm-hmm. taking this shot. And even though you're playing it off as though it was luck, and Susan called it out and et cetera. There's something in my head that says most people would have been so overwhelmed with the moment, with the noise, with everything that was happening, that they would have either missed getting the shot or gotten the shot, but not realized they got the shot or deleted the shot. I mean, there's so many things that could have gone wrong on an overall level from somebody with your skill level.
1: Mm-hmm. What can an average person do to take better wildlife images? Well, I think you, first of all, I think you need. I sent you. I sent you the picture of the uh, of the uh, of the baby zebra, so uh, you'll have that in your email. Um, and and how far away that was actually. But I think what we need is as, and I'm sure you have it. That you're the same thing in your music photography. We have to have what a fighter pilot. Called situational awareness. I have a friend, Hal Schmidt. He was a Top Gun a pilot, like Maverick, and then he was an instructor. Excuse me. And he always talked about situational awareness that we have to be aware of everything that's going on around us. So, shooting with one eye open is important. Studying wildlife behavior, like I knew, I knew because I had been there before that. There's a lot of crocodiles. There's a lot of crocodiles in the Mara River waiting for something to eat. So doing research is important. Having situational awareness is important. If you're going to go to Africa, for example, go to a wildlife park and practice shooting, photographing from your car or photographing from a vehicle. There's a place in Texas uh, Texas called Fossil Rim Wildlife Center. F- like fossil, like you find in the ground, fossil rim mm-hmm. wildlife center, and they have two thousand acres there, and they have zebras running around, giraffes running around, uh, cheetahs, rhinos. They even have wildebeest there. So before you go to go and you ride around in a little vehicle, like a safari vehicle. So practicing is is really important, and it has to become it has to become like iPhone photography. You can't be looking through your camera and saying, you know, okay, I need this aperture, I need this, this it just has to become like you you are like when well, you're you're at the at the you love you love music. I know you love music. Your son plays music, right? And yep. you can't be thinking you're you're enjoying the music, you're enjoying the scene. If you have to think about, oh I have to do this, it's gonna A, take the joy out of it and B, you're probably gonna miss the shot. So you have to know your camera. Just like getting back to my friend Hal Schmidt, the fighter pilot. I'm looking for something oh I will use my phone which is unplugged. <laughs> he said, you know, you have you have to know he was talking about you have to know your camera so well like I was just talking about. He said in the in the cockpit of the fighter jet, you know, you would have the stick here with like, you know, eight or I forget. I'm not a pilot. You know, eight or 10 buttons on it or or more and you're you're looking around, you can't press the wrong button, <laughs> right? So you have to have the situational awareness. You have to know your instrument. Otherwise, you know, the fighter pilot you know, could be ejected. But I think, it, don't you think it's a really good analogy? You oh, think, yeah, you know, very definitely. You know, the, the stick that you have to know exactly. So that's what I, I've been doing this a long time and it has to become like second nature, like it is to you. I know you wouldn't get these amazing shots. My microphone is falling.
0: <laughs> so let's switch to a speed round. We're going to close out with a couple of fast questions, answer them as okay. fast as you want to. Okay. What is your top overall, just any type of photo
1: tip? My top photo tip is expose for the highlights. Okay. In other words, if the highlights are more than a stop, yeah, it's going to be hard to get them back.
0: And that's a key, by the way, over a stop. Yeah. You can clip as long yeah. as you don't go so far that you can't get it back. <laughs> Right, right. And and I'm going to add something to that being a music photographer and that is there will be times something's going to be clipped. Like in my photos it is entirely possible for the me to that for me to expose for my subject's face that their arm right. may be blown out because right. I've got a lighting director that's pushing the extremes of the human eye. Right. And a camera is just over half the 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 stop capability of a human eye, so the camera is going to struggle. What is your biggest wildlife photo mistake that you see people make?
1: The biggest wildlife fo- uh, not not understand not getting the picture. <laughs> I'll tone it down. Not getting the picture and freaking focus, because <laughs> you know what helped me. You know was the animal tracking right with that right. Or, so I've seen so many wildlife pictures. Actually in Bosque, this is one of the biggest complaints from the students. Oh, my pictures are out of focus. The bird's out of focus. Today, there's no reason to get an out of focus picture. Right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. Favorite composition rule. And by the way, Rick has an entire book and class on composition. So if you had to pick one, I'll give you two. What's your favorite composition rule?
1: Yeah, my favorite composition rule is this, uh, and it's a a, a quote that I learned from uh, the famed black and white photographer Edward Weston. And the quote is this, consulting the rules of composition before taking a photograph is like consulting the rules of gravity before going for a walk. Ooh. So in other words, you know, all these composition rules are good, but break, what he say, what he was saying was break the rules. But I would say the basic composition would be look for balance in the photograph. So that photograph that you showed, and thanks again for showing that and pick it, picking it and having me on the show, is, you know, there's, there's balance in that. So we don't want someone to be looking at, looking at the picture and saying, you know, what's the subject? So actually that might be the tip. I see a lot of photographs and in critique sessions I ask the person, I say, what's the subject? And they look at me like, like they don't know. So you make sure that you know what the subject is.
0: I see that too. People take a picture yeah, right. and they put
1: it in front of you going, isn't
0: this beautiful? And I'm like, what's the well, subject? the scene is beautiful, but what? It, right. why Why this moment? What did you freeze here? Well, it's just yeah. pre- beautiful. Okay, yeah. What's your favorite source of inspiration?
1: Uh, right now, master classes. Like uh that. and the la- and I know we're getting toward the end here but I'm really big on this. I always thought about it but I think Yo-Yo Ma, you know the cellist, you love music, mm-hmm. um really summed it up. I'm watching his master class and I have time to tell like a one or two minute story, don't I? Sure.
0: Dude, I'll so- make as much time for you as you need. <laughs>
1: So I think this is important for your viewers and listeners. So he yo talking about, you know, like 20 years ago, or whatever, 30 years ago, he's playing a concert and he's playing it perfectly. Like he's played like a million other concerts. And he realizes that he, and this is what he's saying. I'll just quote him, kind of quote him. He says, I'm playing perfectly. I just can't believe how perfectly I'm playing and I'm bored out of my mind. So that's when he came up with what he says is is his philosophy, and it's expression versus perfection. Ooh. And when you just said that about the the singer, uh, you know, his face being perfectly exposed, but the background being over overexposed a little—that's expression. And I think too many photographers, Steve, today get so they have to get the sharpest possible picture. They have to get the this or the that, you know, they have to pixel peep. They have to have the least amount of noise. Yeah, you could have the perfect picture, but are you really expressing yourself? So actually the next uh, class that I hope I'm doing, or the next book I write, I'm going to be writing is going to be called Expression Versus Perfection. I'm going to dedicate it to Yo-Yo Ma, of course, and t- tell that story. But this is really what photography is all about. It's about expression. It's not about perfection. So, I encourage. And then another master class was Santana. And you, I know you like San. I think you like Santana. I right? photographed
0: Santana. Oh yeah.
1: Oh man, you're so well. I saw Santana in 1969. Yeah. At Woodstock, there you go so. again. <laughs> Just rub it in. Well, no, I haven't photographed him, but I would love to. Out of all the people, I would love to meet to be him. But in his master class four hours he doesn't talk about the equivalent of iso shutter speed you know uh aperture noise you know the equivalent of that in music like scales or uh or uh or modes or or, or, th- or things like that he talks about the mood and the feeling and, and he says that when he plays you have to make love to the guitar meaning that he's just so in the moment that he just has he loves what he's doing and again, all the, I see so many things that, that people are just so into the technical side of this. This is what they care about. And I think it's about, you know, loving your your craft and really expressing yourself. Like how cool is it that we can express ourselves by clicking a button <laughs> and playing
0: well, and, and moving a mouse. And what you said about Santana's masterclass is so true. I, I try and explain Sometimes people crop, you know, just like you know, it's, it's frowned upon to crop humans at joints. Sometimes I'll say to people, you need to be more careful how you crop a musician's instrument, because at that moment in time, that's not an instrument in musician. It is a part of their soul. It is a part of their body and you need to treat it with that same respect. As long as we're on, I think I may know the answer here, but as long as we're on music, your favorite band or performer,
1: my favorite band or performer? Well, right now, uh, I don't think I, I don't think I, I, I have one. I, I'd like, I would see Santana. You know, I would see Santana anytime. I think. You know, he's just such a a, a unique individual. You know, I saw him when he was like, I think they got paid $600 or $900. You could look up salaries. Bands got paid paid at Woodstock. They didn't get paid a lot. And now he has a store, you know, and this guy's doing doing okay. But he's been an inspiration to me. And uh, that's why I have all these guitars in the back, I think.
0: What's your favorite drink?
1: My favorite drink right now. I'm going to have one after this. Is a uh, uh, citrus dreams. It's an I. Well, it's a beer. Favorite beer is citrus dreams. But I, I would say I like uh, I like uh, red wine. I'm not, right. I don't like. I used to like rum and cokes and stuff like that. But in my old age, I like to sip a wine. I know you like whiskey.
0: I love my whiskey. Yeah, I collect. Yeah. I, I I I shouldn't say I collect, but I've got a good amount of whiskeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there a photographer? Final question: Is there a photographer out there that you think more people need to know
1: about and follow? Um, yes, John Isaac. Uh, I think I mentioned him to you maybe once before. I've known him for uh, since I've known him since 1980. He was a UN photographer, and he's just an amazing, amazing Isaac John Isaac. He was a UN photographer and then he was Michael Jackson's. For, oh, you're, can I, okay. I have to tell you this story. Go. He was a UN photographer. He would go to Africa to Biafra with uh, Audrey Hepburn. And he would photo, cause she was interested in uh, fundraising for you know the, the, the people who were starving in Biafra. So he would go there like once a year for five years. So anyway, he goes to Biafra, he sees one too many babies die in the mother's arm because of the, the drought and the starvation and the famine. He comes back, this is, this is in the, in the uh, 90s now, he's really depressed. He puts his cameras away in the closet and he's just sitting in his apartment, not too far from here, just being really down, really down. And I talked to him, uh, I'm t- done with photography, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm just really down. So he's sitting in his apartment one day and the phone rings. He goes, hello? Johnny, it was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had seen his work. Michael Jackson wanted him, and he wound up doing it, to be his personal photographer, to photograph the birth of his children, and to be to fly around the world on his jet to photograph a concert. So if you go on YouTube and type in John Isaac, Michael Jackson, you'll see my friend, my good friend, my talented friend John Isaac on the stage with Michael Jackson. Unfortunately, he did John didn't wear um, uh, earplugs, you know, how loud it is. So his hearings are oh, yeah. not, not so great now, but that's a story. Uh, I think that is just so unique. You know, the guy's really down. And then Johnny,
0: I love it. I love it. So yeah. if, if people want to connect with Rick Salmon, yeah. what's your website? Obviously, uh, you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, yeah. where can people find you?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, Rick Salmon, just ricksalmon.com. S-A, there you go, S A M M O and ricksalmon.com. And the links to it. everything I do are, is right there.
0: Okay, makes it easy. On Instagram yeah. and Facebook, it's Rick Salmon Photography. Yep. Twitter and YouTube, it's just Rick Salmon. And you don't have to remember these. Yeah. I will put these links in the show notes at behindtheshot.tv or down in the, the links on. Uh, On YouTube as well down in the description down there. The show is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, of course, audio or video only, the video being on YouTube as well. Mr. Salmon, it is always good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this, my friend.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I hope to get a photograph with you soon. I remember we were out in Red Rock Canyon a couple of years ago, so hopefully we'll uh, be together soon. And thank you so much. And again, Steve is the guy who makes a hard job look very, very easy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And
0: by the way, we are recording this less than a week before Christmas of 2022. So to you, my friend, to your wife, to your son, uh, happy holidays to you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year's. Everything that might fit you. Same to you, my friend. And for those of you watching, be sure to head to the website. It's behindtheshot.tv. You can find all these show notes there, all the links that we mentioned there. Anything he mentioned, I'll make sure to find a link to and, and put in the show notes. Of course, while you're there, you can also find all the ways that you can subscribe to this podcast in video if your app supports video or in audio only. And of course, if you're on YouTube, make sure you head down, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. And if you would, please tell your friends. In fact, wherever you get this show or podcast, please leave a written review, a star rating, uh, all of your support over the years. We're over six years now is so much appreciated. My name is Steve Brazzle. Make sure you join us next time as we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind the shot.